Welcome to episode number 14, special guest Jerry Frazier with Frazier College Admission Counseling back with me another week. We had so much to talk about last week and we're doing it again. I know, so fun. Happy to be here. So let's jump into it. Oh, forget. I always forget Murph. We gotta we gotta prop up my executive producer, Murph Carges from Sugar Ray. What's up, Murph? Hey Murph. Fonger News bringing you the student manager. We're helping parents as well as students with the college search and admission process again. Jerry, I want to get into because it's that time of the year. It's September, October, SAT, ACT. Talk to me about that. So October is PSAT month um, for sophomores, for juniors, and every now and again for freshmen. Register at your school, middle of the month. Don't need to practice or study for it perhaps understand the instructions before going in, but it's very helpful for me and for the school guidance counselor to see where the student ends up with the PSAT. My rule of thumb, knowing how busy most of my students are, I strongly recommend that they begin either SAT or ACT test taking the summer before junior year. Good information to share with my audience. How many times, because we talk about, I've talked to students, talked to parents, and they talk about, oh, my kid's only gonna do it two times, three times, until they get this perfect score. Well, first of all, there's not a perfect score. There's a score for everybody. But talk to me about how many times you should be taking it. So I've, I've never worked with a student who was a one and done, never. Even my students who did exceptionally well on whichever assessment they took those students want to try and get that perfect score, right? So we we plan for the eventuality of three administrations of whatever assessment they're taking. And to do that, you know, you've got to kind of plot it out along junior year, taking into consideration the busyness of junior year, AP examinations and other, you know, wh- whether they're an athlete or they have other commitments. So three times is what I usually recommend, Um, not to get into the nitty gritty too much, but there's a little bit of a difference between the SAT and the ACT in terms of liability for taking the test more than that. Excuse me, with the ACT, a student owns her scores, and if she has a bad test day, migraine, bloody nose, whatever it might be, she can expunge a score. And that score is forever gone from her her record. When you take the SAT, you know, that that is not something that's there. And so some students are hesitant to, since they know the SAT test will be a part of their permanent record, they're hesitant to take the test unless they've properly prepared. So sometimes you know, that may mean that a student is rescheduling. And if we begin early in junior year using the summer leading into junior year, then that gives some flexibility there too, to plot it out. Let's talk about the differences because my daughter, Sophia, ACT, Julia went that route, but we said, uh, maybe she might have a different learning uh, philosophy and, and style worse now she did the SAT. High level. So about a third of students who take both assessments favor one over the other. Like So a third favor the ACT, a third favor the SAT, and a third are in the middle, and it's a draw. 
So with my students, I strongly recommend, I tell them if a job's worth doing, it's worth doing well. Therefore, I think you owe it to yourself to take a diagnostic for both. And then you come out of that and you have anecdotal information. Which one did you like more than the other or mind less than the other? If you, you know, we look at we look at the results. If you're clearly an SAT test taker or an ACT tester test taker, we begin with that. I talk with my tutors when it happens that we've seen a student who's kind of hit a ceiling with one of the assessments that we thought was the assessment that was going to best showcase their talents. And we often switch gears and move to another assessment do a diagnostic and see that their score on the diagnostic has jumped by virtue of mm. the test prep that they've had with the other assessment. So sometimes we'll we'll switch gears. Um, I have a, a student right now um, who's at a very selective school and I remember when she first thought we thought she was an SAT test taker and her score was not what it needed to be to gain admission to that school did prep, decided to switch gears after that first assessment, and ended up hitting it out of the park with the other assessment. Do you see a big difference with that test prepping? Because some parents, my followers and audience, can't afford that. So could it make a difference? And if so, by how much? Well, it, it, it can. I mean, I've seen, I, I had a student actually my nephew who last year took the two diagnostics and he was head and shoulders on the SAT over the ACT. Fortunately, um, he was able to use Khan Academy for the SAT prep. Khan has an excellent test prep that's free online. Um, And he ended up hitting it out of the park with the SAT. So parents can go online and get free testing tutoring with the SAT as well as the ACT if they don't have the resources to do. Yeah, I I haven't seen the same positive results with the ACT prep that's on Khan. I have seen now a few amazing results with two different kids who have, they've been dedicated, they've been committed to the Khan program. They've gone at their own pace, but they've They've scored very, very high. Now, something I will say briefly, people ask, are the tests different? A few years ago, the tests were changed um, significantly so that they are more alike now than they were before. People will say, well, the ACT has a science section. Shouldn't I take that if I'm a good science student? And I say, it's really science reading. And so it's really more problem solving and reading and reading accuracy and fluency. My son, the doctor, did the, the worst on that section because he was at that time a reluctant reader. So we ended up using... Sounds like my daughter, Julia. <laughs> send, ended up using the, a, the uh, SAT where there was no science section at that time. Now what the SAT has done to kind of level that is they have reading passages which are scientific in nature. So now you, even though it's not called science, even the SAT now has that type of. Let's go into the essay. Give my followers and audience two or three things they should focus on and two or three things they should stay away from. Now, do you mean the essay for the college essay? The college essays. Hmm. Well, I really do like it when students take 
a personal, different, anecdotal take. For example, I had a student one year who wrote about his Green Bay Packers sweatshirt. It went everywhere with him. It was a, so the sweatshirt was talking. He ended up at Pomona College, very highly selective school. I had a student who wrote about pink boxing gloves. Hmm. Obviously a girl. She came to boxing because she was cut from a program at a local high school for being the bigger girl on the squad and not being the one. So she switched, went to MMA. Her boxing gloves were a metaphor for her life. So it sounds like pick something unique that separates yourself and stand out. Oh, I mean, I can still remember clearly um, some of my students' essays from, you know, five, seven, eight years ago. And the pink boxing gloves is one of them. Another essay I call the SAP essay was about a young man in Boy Scouts who was doing what was called the Vigil Honor, which was a post-Eagle Scout Mm -hmm. thing where he had to spend the night up holding vigil. And he was sitting under a tree with sap dripping on him. And he ended up talking about what went through his mind for those eight hours while he was holding vigil. Let's talk about what to stay away from. And before you answer it, it's because I had a student, a guest, actually, Murph, you remember, Claire, all right? She talked about, she felt she just checked boxes. And when I mean check boxes of, she did NCL, she did the baccalaureate, the BA, all those programs. And she said, my essay, I felt like it was just generic and too general. So kind of tell so my she wrote about misgivings that she had she if she had to do it all over again she said she would have focused on one specific philanthropy and what that meant to her rather than go general all across the board well that i would agree with um so with regard to that one thing you said i tell my students that freshman year is a great time to cast their net wide explore find, go to Club Rush, find, um, or Club Fair, find five or so different groups that sound interesting to you. Try them out. Then your next year, fine tune. Go down to perhaps two. And those things hopefully enlighten you about further involvements. And, and we can talk about that. And a student might say, I found out that I'm interested in veterans' rights. So Jerry, can you make a recommendation? How can I learn more about veterans' rights? <clears throat> we have Heroes Hall at the fairground. You can volunteer there. There's the Center for Law and Military Policy. You can volunteer there. There, the American Legion. We have lots of resources. So by casting your net wide, then maybe you're able to zero in on things that are of particular importance. It sounds like this young lady cast her net wide and kept it wide. Um, I, but I, but you know, I kind of like not knowing her, that might make a good topic. <laughs> I would stay away from things like the winning goal, the losing goal, the losing season, the winning season. Those are- Too generic. Too generic. Too broad. The, um, uh, so I will say this as a general statement, I probably would stay away from the mission trip, but the mission, because the mission trip is a dime a dozen, but if it's really not about a mission trip, 
if it's about how you raised $45,000 with a group of five boys, putting together a business plan, walking out into the community, setting up meetings where you revealed what you would be doing in Cuba, getting together old playground equipment, getting a sponsor for the playground equipment that takes it down to Havana, and then how it was carried forward, that's not a mission trip. That is a business plan that two of my students put together, and they came to me saying they wanted to do that. And I said, as long as we take a different approach, right? Mm -hmm. I have a lot of students who are in youth and government. Some of them are hesitant to write about youth and government because it is such a common, in our area, it's such a common um, involvement. That's what I call checking that box. But to them, I've said, you are not writing about youth and government. You're writing about the fact that you had the courage to get up in front of that delegation and propose an alternative bill when no one else had the courage. And when you were basically, the guy who was up before you was preaching to the choir and you went up and you advanced a different proposition and that took courage. And so I've to- I've told students, I don't view that as a YNG essay. I view that as personal courage. And, you know, that. Right. so it's, I wouldn't say that you're not going to write about a youth in government. You might just write about what it meant to you and that personal detail is what makes all the difference. I think it, you look at things that just separate and, and, and make it meaningful and impactful. I look at, I talked to Sophia uh, when she did her essay and she talked about because julia was seeking her advice and she said i just went online and i looked at their virtual tour which we could talk about and she she made it personal to that campus and what she would have that impact and and be on that campus and and you've seen some of julia's essays i've read them we're not going to mention it over here but some of those are really personal and and i said wow that does kind of separate yourself from from kind of what Well, the college essay, I believe, and my students, I think, have had great success in admissions. So I will say that I think we've got it right. The college essay is a conversation. And the college is looking at you, assuming you have grades and test scores that are in the region. Yes. Then they're looking to see if you play well with others. You know, like the kindergarten principle, you know, do you play well with others? Are you someone who can make a difference at this school? Are you someone who is insightful? Um, And it can be everything from, you know, like I said, the Green Bay sweatshirt. I, I, I think about my youngest son in one of the essays he did about coin collecting. You know, how many kids do you know these days who coin collect? None. Not many. But he got into it with my father. And the way my dad hooked Grant into coin collecting, Grant loves history. So he used every coin as a bridge, as a history lesson. And Grant recounted that. Good information. I want to talk about the number of colleges uh, a student should be looking into when they apply. We talk about the reach schools, the moderate schools, the safety schools. Uh, you know, you've given great information leading up to applying to college, the SAT, the ACT, the SA. Now, I, I still got a lot of stress and pressure as a student, as a parent, right? So how many colleges do you recommend they should look at? 
So my students typically apply to 10 colleges, but that's a bit of a fudge because the UC schools count as one college. So if a student is applying to three UCs, then they've actually applied to 12 colleges. Or if they're applying to San Diego State and Cal Poly Slow, that's one college. So um, you get the point there um, that it ultimately ends up, I've had students apply to as many as 20, which was a little off the that was, that was unusual. And I've had students who apply to as few as eight. So break it down into, because my recommendation is, and tell me if you may agree or disagree, about three to four stretch schools, four to five moderate schools, and then maybe safety schools, two to three. I agree. And I think what I hear a lot from my students when they begin this process is, I don't know if I'll get in anywhere. And I say... I assure you, if we apply to these schools, you, barring some strange, unforeseen, you know, ripple that goes through the college admission process, you will get in. And so often we apply to some schools where I happen to know, the student may not have visited, but I happen to know that a school is a wonderful fit for this student, could be a wonderful fit, and I know that the student, because of her or his grades, test scores, activities is likely even to get some money and they're likely to hear back from the college relatively quickly, right? So that then becomes a celebration. I had a student get into KU last night and he said, now I'm going to college and I can't tell you how good I feel. I said, this is, you're gonna be your first of many. I doubt he's going to go there to Kansas, but his mom had gone to Kansas and he's been there a number of times and he felt some obligation to apply and he he has family in the area hey he's in I often do this with ASU um, because ASU has rolling admission and students here relatively Mm -hmm. quickly and then once they get in then they think about and there's no essay by the way so that takes a lot of edge off and then when they get in they often think about applying to the honors college at asu so butler is another one i know you love butler butler bulldogs yeah i love butler and i um, love lawrence kansas as well oh well well have you been to actually lawrence university i thought you were going to go to lawrence no no i didn't have time for that that stop I, i wanted we we visited ku and yeah. then we kept on going to M-I-Z, Z-O-U. Big in the news today. You know what? You beat me to the punch. I, I haven't even looked at what's going on. And yeah, yeah. Well, we could go on. I mean, can, there's we there's won't big, talk about uh, Caltech. I mean, there's lots there's, of stuff yes, going on today. Because I, I do want to talk to you about... Uh, so back to your feeder school or your your the way you outlined your vision of... Yes. Schools that are in your target, schools that are moderate, and then schools that are a reach for any student, okay? I mean, if I'm working with a student who's perfect, 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 and has very interesting, and they're, you know, some of those kids are, are, are out there in our community, and I've had the pleasure of working with them, I still tell them, applying to Stanford, it's a reach. Applying to Penn, it's a reach. Should... A student apply to a school, even though they got accepted, that they know they're not going to attend. And, and let me expand on that because I've had some guests and they said, 
I knew I was gonna get into some, but they were applying to schools that just created more work for them. And they said, even if they got in, they knew they weren't going to go. And I said, well, why did you apply there? They're like, I don't know. Well, I think, um, because I listened to one of your podcasts um, and I heard a little bit of that and I thought, that's interesting because at the time, I don't think she knew she wasn't going to go. So, uh, yeah, so um, I think there was a lot of angst, there can be a lot of angst where a student says, I'm nervous, I'm nervous, what can you recommend? And we might say, you know, schools like X or Y are schools where I know you're going to hear soon and that may take the edge off. And I do think um, this last year was an unusual year for USC. I had a lot of kids get into USC just to use my law school alma mater. Not a single one of them accepted. And um, that was interesting. I had a parent say to me, we will not pay to send our student to USC. And, and I'm a big USC fan. Uh, our son Ben. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, our son Ben had a terrific <laughs> education there. I had a great law school education, as did my husband. There are issues right now. But I, I, I just hope that my students will still consider. And I think that's a little bit of what happened last year. And students may have said, why did I apply to USC in hindsight uh, with all that happened? Let's talk about the Varsity Blues because we're right here in the backyard, the Rick Singer, the whole issue. This has been going on, I think, forever, not only academically, but in the sports, uh, the collegiate level. So is it harder? Let, let's kind of just bullet point this. Yes or no, is it going to be harder this year for students getting into these colleges? Are they uh, more strict looking at things? What's interesting, I actually expect that at USC, applications will be down. Interesting. And Hmm. I think- This is the year to apply then. Yeah. (laughs) That's my prediction. I'm gonna go on record to say I predict it. Audience, followers, she's telling you now to apply to USC. Well, based upon my initial, my students who are applying right now, and it's a small sample. I mean, I only have 14 seniors, but not a single one so far has applied to USC. Interesting. Um, I have a couple who have USC on their lists and a few who are bubble kids who I've said, this might be the year to do it um, because I'm basing it on communications with other IECs who've said the same thing that I've said, that none of their students went or maybe one or two of their students went Mm -hmm. or students who were admitted second semester actually were admitted, they get in, got in first semester. Um, They were admitted second year, like to one of the foreign programs that USC has in Paris, but they were brought in to second semester. So, you know, I think that's what's going to happen there. I think what you're referring to, though, is our our advancement candidates. You know, advancement is um, a department within most colleges where they deal with donor, donor intent, board trustee members big donors donors who've have na- their names on the buildings or the, on the dorm uh, halls or what have you i think there's probably going to be a bit more um care with regard to that yeah but let me ask you this because are these people idiots or what that's the actually probably the right correct way to do it rather than trying to fake up an image you're donating 
to a building or to this institution and it's they transparent. Have yeah, yes, it's transparent. It's black and white. Well, you know, I will tell you because I, I do have some information from Pomona College because I've been involved there, and I'll say that Pomona nonetheless would never admit, in my opinion, a trustee's child or grandchild or a major donor's child or grandchild if that child could not no. succeed at Pomona College. And that college is rigorous. So it's going to have to be a special kid, right? Yes. So I think that's the way it should be um, at schools who who consider advancement applications. I mean, that is, you know what? To, to say that advancement isn't going on and hasn't gone on and has a it place. It is going on. And you know what? Frankly, I understand. I, I understand your right. trustees, your big donors. Um, but at the end of the day, Jerry, because take away the advancement, let's just talk again with the student applying to a college. You want that student to be a good fit at yes. that school. You don't want to be, I'm not going to say, or, or they're going to be challenged or struggle. Why, why are you applying to this college when you know you're not even going to be maybe successful there, right? Because there's over... 2,500 colleges, and there's a right college for every kid. Well, you hit on you hit the nail on a point that I try to talk, talk to my kids about when they're making a decision between or among their acceptances. And let's just hypothetically say a student is thinking about medicine or law, where you know your grades matter tremendously in your graduate school placement. And I will say to a student, you go to UCLA, chances are you could end up still getting a 4.0 but realize the competition if you go to a school that's not nearly as rigorous as ucla in terms of the sciences but you still get a good education you may end up with an amcas score which is the score that's looked at when you're applying to medical school which will advance you into a higher level medical school or law school so gpa does matter, it matters tremendously. Not to say that if you're coming from a top-notch school, you don't get a bump, you do. But you need to think about that fit and you need to think about where you're going to be able to advance, rise to the top. I have two questions and I, I want my followers to hear this, especially at this time of the year. What advice would you give parents that have senior students going through this unique time are they going through it alone or are they going through it with an IEC let's say alone back off be more global um, I think help them set realistic targets look at the deadlines there are a number of schools whose deadlines go go into the next year. Students don't have to apply early. They can apply regular or with a rolling school, they can apply toward the end. Size up your student's anxiety level because ultimately student health has got to be at the top of the, the parent's consideration. I, I would say don't micromanage, um, offer to help in any way. For examples, I have parents who are willing to take a student's essay and 
pop it into the application for them, fill out all the demographic information so the student doesn't have to worry about that. The student can be focusing on the creative. Great advice recommendation. Now, go to the student. What advice recommendation, no counseling, they're out there on their own. What recommendation would you give them? This is free advice, by the way, parents and students. Be different. Be personal. This is a conversation that you're having with your future home. Think about what matters most to you. Use words that are easily understood, just as you would in a conversation. Try not to impress. Share insights. These are things I tell my students. I, I see essays, uh, and have it be your own work. Don't think for a moment that you want to go online, have a ghostwriter write something for you. It is the easiest thing for any of us to detect. All right, ready to have some fun? Sure. You've been on a lot of college campuses. I have. All right, so if you were to throw back time and to go to college today, because of you, who you are today, like, what would you do if you had to do it all over? Where would you go? And was money not an object? Let's go both routes. Okay. Money, not an object. Okay. Well, in fact, and my- Keep it high level, yeah. because I'm gonna just keep on drilling so you. So I did not appreciate the value of a small liberal arts college when I was applying to college. We had six kids. My dad and my mom were both teachers. I didn't have the latitude to choose a private school for my undergraduate. So I I went to UCLA and I made the most of it. When I met my husband in law school and he'd gone to Occidental College, I was so envious of his education. When we compared our experiences, I was blown away. And our youngest son attended Pomona College, and I've really come to love the small liberal arts college. I would go back in a heartbeat. So you'd go to Pomona College now? I would go to Pomona, or I would go to Claremont McKenna College, one or the other. I love them both. And I have a friend that had a daughter that played softball at Claremont McKenna. I need to get her on this podcast, because those are two phenomenal campuses. So you've been on both campuses. Uh, Tell my audience, these are quick questions. Why? Well, you learn from professors. You don't have any student teachers. Classes, average class size, 15. It's all about intellectual discourse. My son never took a single fill in the bubble test. He had to find his voice, which was a challenge for him. But he's one of the better writers. He's published, I think, five times now as a first-year lawyer. He learned to write, he learned to speak, he learned to lead, and and he, he learned through mentorship, through faculty who knew who he was, and when it came time for him to go to graduate school, his professor, main professor, wrote a three page single space letter about him. That's what you get at a SLAC, a small liberal arts college. And those aren't easy to get into. No, they're not. They're, they're tough institutions. Yeah, I don't think I. I don't think uh, I would get in 
today. But uh, perhaps I would have gotten in back when I was applying uh, years Jerry, ago. I don't think I'd get into Long Beach State today. Oh, stop. No, I mean, I do have students at Pomona College um, and they're they're killing it. Uh, and I've had some grads and they're killing it. And CMC too, Claremont McKenna College. But they are tough. Um, but that would be for me. Th- that would be for me. Now, I'm more intellectually driven in my 60s uh, than I perhaps was then. Right. Um, what about, I'm gonna throw two institutions out locally, SOCA and Masters. Masters, what is Masters? Masters University. I don't even know Masters. It's one of the top D2, D3 academic smaller schools here in Southern California. Tell me where it is. It is kind of in the valley. The San Fernando Valley? uh, Santa Clarita. Look them up. They have a D1. They have a uh, athletic program. And I'm the first time I heard of them. I said, Masters University. Where's I've this? I've never even heard yes. of Masters. So, well, I just want to quickly say that you asked about need and no need, and I would say that at both Claremont and Pomona College, or any of the Claremonts, it doesn't matter because they are need blind, and they give 100% of your demonstrated need. They're guaranteed. They have amazing amazing endowments and amazing programs for students so i would say it those that my answer doesn't change if i'm need if i have mm-hmm. need or if i don't masters i know nothing about masters nothing i've never even never heard of it it's right well i'm not gonna say right in our backyard but see i stumped you on yeah one. what was it but soca soca so you know i've never had a student interested in soca i've never even been on soca's campus me neither um my sons have because they went to prom there okay um and you know, I know a little bit about it, but it's never really the little bit that I've read up on it. I mean, I try to really limit the number of schools I visit because I do visit a lot of schools. So I tr- try to find schools that at least one of my kids in a blue moon m- might want to apply to. I-, I was gonna say to you, have you ever heard of St. Mary's of Moraga? Yes. Have you ever heard of Westmont? Yes. Okay, so those are two schools that I view as hidden gems. Um, St. Mary's is a hard sell, unusual school, small, small liberal arts. Very small. Great books, but guess what? D1. And they have the top rugby program, arguably, in in the country um, for a four-year institution. So one of my ruggers, so my youngest son plays rugby, and one of my rugger students wanted that, and he ended up going to St. Mary's and had a fabulous time. He was a psych major. They did great books. They do a lot of, the great books are when you go back and you read original texts. So that's that's pretty cool. It's Catholic, Lasallian, um, beautiful, but it's kind smaller of, than modern day high school. Yeah, it's a small school. Well, so by the way is Pomona College, so by the way is Claremont, right. so by the way is Scripps, but those taken together form a mid-size, You're the right. size of a mid-size university. Here's one of my favorite campuses, University of Redlands. Oh, uh, well, it's it's a Skyax school. You know, we play them, the Sage Hens, Pomona Pitzer plays them in their sports. Um, Redlands is a, it, it's a terrific school. I mean, if you're, it's hard for me to sell schools that are that close to any of my kids. That's one of the difficulties I have with the Claremonts. Um, too close. Too close to home. Too close. I tell them you go out there, you're in a different world. I mean, Redlands is great because it's relatively, I don't want to say it's easy to get into. It, 
they accept more than they don't accept. Right. They have a, a really nice vibe on campus. They have an active athletic life. They're usually competitive in the Skyac League, which is a D3 league. Um, you know, yeah. So let's, as we finish up and wrap up, for students and parents listening out there that don't know what else is out there, I'm gonna go regions, all right? Um, and we're gonna play a little game because some will be for the 3.9 students, 30, 29, 30 ACT above, and then we're gonna have that 3.4 to 3.9 student. Are these weighted GPAs? These are un, uh, weighted, okay. yes. Uh, 26 to 29 ACT, because we don't wanna f fall in the stretch moderate schools. I want my followers and listeners to understand what they're gonna use my experience and your experience throughout the country. We're gonna go like your favorite school, okay? But we're gonna go for different students. Because okay. give me so you're gonna give me um, give me a little bit of background on the student because yes. if the student has need, doesn't have Correct. need. We're I'm gonna, assuming they're California kids. These are California kids, Southern California, right here, either going to Newport Harbor, modern day, somewhere in the Newport Mesa yeah. Unified School District. As my followers and uh, expand to Northern California, it'll reach everybody as they download and listen yeah. to Jerry Frazier, our special guest. I am let's go with the 3.4 to 3.9 student, unweighted, and their SAT is around 25 to 28, okay? So I'm looking on the Pacific Northwest. What school stands out? Just the school. Are they religious? Or would they mind, would they? We're open right now. They're open. So I happen to like University of Portland. Great school, yeah. um, right I on the hill. I like Lewis and Clark. Lewis and Clark for the right student, especially social studies, art history, wonderful. A lot of California kids, if you want a school that's out of state, but yet I think 30 some odd percent are from California. Um, I love Gonzaga. I, I, you know, I know I don't get kids too interested in Gonzaga, but I you, love you, it. You didn't get my daughter no, Julia interested. No, I know. I, I threw it out there too. And her. then when she came back to me, I said, that's like a mini Notre Dame. It I said, is You're out there in the East Coast. I said I've been there, done that. There's so many other schools, and he's so, got to find you know, a right fit. Well, the, the problem good, good is campus, Gonzaga. It's a beautiful campus, beautiful. and they've got a, a you know, of course, their basketball team is fun. Yes. So for my kids who like to follow sports, yes. Um, for my, I, I do work with a lot of kids from Catholic schools, and so if they're looking for that, you know, I, I'll point that out. Seattle University is another That's another one. good school. Yeah. Let's head over. Same student. Let's go to the Midwest. Oh well, you know Butler. I mean, I I enjoy Butler. DePaul is a school that my students have great success getting into, and DePaul often um, sends the money, which is really nice. MSU, Michigan State, is a school that if a student, well, if if a student goes to Santa Margarita out there, there's a special scholarship for you at MSU that's nearly a full ride, so you need to look into that. Santa Margarita students, Eagles out there, you could be Sparty out there in yep, East Lansing. you could be Sparty. Um, I think MSU, you know, it's had its share of issues over the last year uh, with Dr. Nasser and the gymnastics issue. Put that aside. We love the campus. It, the campus is great. It's flat. Uh, it's flat, but it there's a great vibe. There, you know, depending upon the the departments, um, Reed. So Reed's an interesting school. Um, we 
the beginning, you talked about English majors. I mean, Reed has more English majors than any other major. So for a serious writer, and for students who have the interest ultimately in going on and getting advanced degrees, because Reed is a feeder school, Reed can be good. Let's now go to the East Coast, kind of the New England states, East Coast. Continue with that student. So and are we doing th- the both, that, three, that, four, and, yeah, and whatever? Middle. Yeah, because you know what? Obviously, my followers and listeners, the top ones, they're – we know where they're going. We know where they're looking. But I, I, I so want there that are a middle. lot of schools in the Philadelphia area. You know, I've got family in the Philly area, so I've become. I, I travel there quite often. I really love Nova. Um, I think Nova Villanova um, provides a a lot for a student who is not just an intellectual, but really loves athletics. Um, Mm -hmm. They've got a great swim program. Of course, they have a wonderful basketball program. Nova's become a little bit more selective since they've done so well, you know, in the NCAA tournament. Um, For the higher level student, um, I love some of the mainline schools. So there's an old railroad, you know, track that goes up and down the mainline, and you've got schools that are part of a consortium. So there's Haverford. Um, I've had a couple of kids there. I've got a sophomore there right now who plays soccer, and across the road, Bryn Mawr and Swarthmore. Those are part of a consortium, and they're in a consortium with Penn also. Although you can take limited classes at Penn. Um, so those are some that. Let's mo- let's move down south now. Continue with that middle. So, I have a tough time selling the south. Why? I think I think some of my students believe that some of my Jewish students are a little nervous about the south. Um, I tell them if they are, they should consider Emory. Um, Emory has a, a high population of Jewish students. And, and right there in Atlanta. Right. And, um, but when I start making suggestions about some of the other schools, Clemson is always a school that comes up. So does Alabama. Um, but huh. Interesting, Murph. Mm-hmm. Right? You're having a hard time selling the South. The South is very different. How many guests have we've had on talking about transferring from Bama and Vanderbilt. What's your Vanderbilt? Well, I will say I love Vanderbilt. Ditto. Yeah, Vanderbilt's great. Well, of course you would love it, Murphy, because of the music. I mean, the students at Vandy, I just had a niece who graduated from the Blair School last last, uh, spring, and it was an amazing experience for her. She was a harpist, and she is staying on in Nashville to, she's involved in a music concern. There's so many great opportunities, food, music, you know, outside of, of campus. And there's Belmont, so right across the way. So you've got the, you know, Belmont Belmont's is a, a great, school. great school for the right student. Um, at the football stadium is, is like... You're right in Nashville. Right? You're, yeah. So there's a but lot... But they transferred that, for different reasons. Well, so I've had students transfer from Occidental College to Vandy because Oxy was too liberal and they were looking for something just a little bit more mainline, mainstream, um, and ended up graduating and loving Vandy. So what I like about Vandy is I love their residential housing for freshmen where they're li- you're living in dorms over the freeway or over the thoroughfare uh, with only freshmen. 
and you have resident advisors who are typically faculty members and their families who live within the dorms. It's a really nice support system. So Emery, students, Emery Vandy, um, you said another, um, Rhodes College. Have you right. been to Rhodes? I have not. I've not yeah, been to Rhodes. Rhodes is a wonderful school. Small, Division Three athletics. They've got a totally supportive athletics program there. But so. with my audience and followers now, as we wrap up, we've mentioned a lot of great schools across the country. They might not be able to go out and fly out there, visit, leave them with one fact, tip. How can they find out more about these schools? Okay, two, two ways. One, there are free resources. U University is a free resource online. So is Campus Real, R-E-E-L. Go to those websites as well as student posted. Um, if you go to YouTube and put in Vanderbilt University, you will have students who've posted um, tours of campus that are unofficial. Take virtual tours. The other thing I think you can do is you can extrapolate from, if you're interested in, let's say, um, Middlebury, very remote on the other side of the country and you're you're wanting to see what a school like Middlebury would be like, you've got the Claremonts. Go out and visit Pomona College. Pomona would be a good a good school to visit and say, did I like that? You know, but Middlebury is a standalone small liberal right. arts college. So you'd have to put blinders on. She's giving you a lot of good information. There's a lot of good colleges out there, a good fit for everybody. Use social media. Yep, and um, I really do love the Fisk, F-I-S-K-E, the Fisk Guide, um, which comes out every single year. And by the way, if these resource books are too expensive for you, go to your public library. Um, number one, you can pick up versions of these that are last year's version for like 50 cents. So one of my students actually would go every other week, picked up SAT study guides, ACT study guides, and also, you know, books on different colleges and across the country. that is Fisk, F-I-S-K-E. -E. So Jerry Frazier, she's been our special guest on The Student Manager. It's that time of the year. This podcast is helping students and parents with that whole college search and admission process. Jerry, it's been a pleasure having you. Thank you for having me. Good luck to you. You know. Want to give out your information about how you can be reached if any, anybody? Sure. Um, I, best way to reach me is by email, and that's I'll spell it: G E R I dot F R A Z I E R at S B C Global dot net. I do have a website, but that is uh, password protected for my students. So if we begin working together, you'll have a password. But best way, email. Um, tell me, give me information. If you if you write to me, tell me what year your student is, where your student goes to school. And just take an opportunity to brag a little bit about your student so I know a bit more about your family and your student. And if you can't get a hold of her that way, you can always reach the Fonger News, right? Good friends with Jerry. She's helped out Sophia, a freshman at UW, Julia, my senior at Modern Day, and soon to be my eighth grader, Joshua. So we got to thank and give props. Murph, you're getting free information all the time. So we got Murph Cargis here, formerly of Sugar Ray, executive producer. Thank you for listening, my followers. Until next week, Fonger News out.